Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to another amazing day here on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper Writer, and Today, we're going to be covering a variety of topics, some hypocrisy coming out of Bashir. I'm going to spend some time on that. So in honor of that, of course, I wore my impeach Bashir hoodie, um, hearkening back to a time where our legislators could have decided to go ahead and impeach Bashir. Also, I have some news coming out of the GOP I might be covering. But first and foremost, over New Year's Eve, there was a shooting downtown Lexington. Maybe some of you heard about this. It didn't necessarily happen in the middle of a bad neighborhood, or it doesn't appear to be driven by anything other than a sheer, complete disregard of life. Why do I say that? Well, because this shooting was on New Year's Eve, crowded street, busy street, and a woman uh, pulled a gun, it appears to be a woman, pulled a gun out and started just shooting at, I'm, I'm assuming somebody specifically, but uh, obviously firing, you know, seven, eight shots, crowded area, just, just right there, middle downtown Lexington. And it's just a complete disregard for life, complete disregard for life. And this problem continues to only get worse, worse in general in our society. And I bring it up because this is the net result. This is the net result of what we can expect when we have this incredibly quote-unquote liberal society. This society, because when you have this incredibly, the, the, this liberal new age belief of only pleasure of oneself is what is most important. That's, that's it. That's what's most important. We hear this in the messaging from liberals all over the place. We hear this from our own governor sitting there talking about, oh, love everyone. And we're going to be talking about his quote-unquote love everyone messaging, like I said a little bit later on. But this, this idea that only thing that matters is you and your viewpoint and your ability to live in this life. There's no other value here. This is your only life. This is a lack of one Judeo-Christian values. Because when you don't believe this life is all you have and that's it, from ashes we come and to ashes we return, or from dust we come to dust do we return, and there's nothing else, that's all you believe, then obviously you're going to say, why does anything I do here matter? It's all meaningless. And then behave in these ways. And it's, I mean, this shooting took place just around the corner from Gay Corner. And that's what I call it in Lexington. There's a corner of Lexington by the courthouse where they've painted this uh, cultist symbology from the gay LG or from the LGBTQ cult. They've painted sidewalks rainbowy, which by the way, if if you if you drive over them at all too aggressively, leave some treadmarks, you might find yourself getting charged for vandalism for uh, uh, you know driving your vehicle over the road. But that's besides the point. And this is the net result of what can we expect? And not only that, but we're telling them that they are not responsible for their own actions. I mean, it, it was just a few weeks ago here in Lexington where a judge dismissed murder charges 
against a black male. And in the reasoning stated, it was because that the black female prosecutor's office was apparently extremely racist in how they were handling the case. And because it was a black male and supposed racism coming out of this black female's prosecutor's office, she dismissed murder charges. Now, most likely that'll get overturned, appealed and everything else, assuming that the prosecutor's office even continues going down the case. But of course, if they're so woke, that they say, oh, well, I don't want to draw the ire of the headlines of, of this person calling us out for being racist, this judge. So let's not appeal that. That's a possibility, but putting that to the side. But when you tell them you're always a victim, I mean, that, that person right there, right there in that courtroom was charged with murder. The evidence in the case, in the video indicates he did do a hit and run that resulted in somebody's death. That That isn't really up for debate. It's just whether or not he should be charged with murder and the evidence that the murder charges fit. But he was told that because you're black, you're a victim. And so therefore, because you're a victim, it's all about what it's done to you. And this isn't just racial. We see this in, in the liberal white side of things too. I mean, they there's this mindset that somebody can't be successful without having taken it from somebody else. They look at people who are successful and say, oh, they made that money off the work and back of the Americans and, and by exploiting other people's labor, these communistic ideas that a person can't win unless somebody else is losing. And that's just not how the economy works, but that's also not how life works. You can win without somebody else losing. It's not a soccer game. It's not a football game. Okay. It's life. And everybody can win in life without anybody having to lose, but it's up to you to make those own choices. But they want to rob people of their ability to make decisions by claiming they're victims and they're unaccountable for all their actions and is creating this culture. A good friend of mine works in, uh, community advocacy for lowering crime, especially in the uh, black communities. And I asked him about, it. I said, you know, what's going on out here? What is causing all these things to happen? So this was a few months ago, as, as we were seeing all these crimes, and he said, look, they just don't care. They don't care about their lives. So what? They, in their minds, they're like, so what if I go to jail? And that tells you right away, too, our punishments aren't strong enough. And I mean, the fact that it doesn't even cross somebody's mind to pull out a gun and, and shoot at somebody. I mean, think about it too. If you're quote unquote struggling and it's everybody else's fault and you have no family, you have no ties, you have no community, you have no church, nothing. All you have is big daddy government to take care of you. Well, getting thrown in jail, isn't that all that bad? Three hots and a cot. Who cares if you shoot up the place at all? I mean, uh, some of you may say, well, you know, jail can be a violent place. Absolutely. But if you're used to living violently on the street because you have a complete and utter disregard for life, well, then that's not much of a punishment. And I bring that up because there's been this push to add a constitutional amendment or to outlaw indentured kind of slavery, right? Uh, so right now our constitution outlaws slavery, but it allows an indentured servitude uh, essentially for crime. So basically it allows uh, work farms for people who are in jail uh, can be sentenced to working on work. They can be sentenced to have to work on a farm or something like that and not even actually be paid to do that. 
in order to uh, contribute to society and so they can't be a drain and a whole lot of other things. And, and you know, people can look at this and, and there's people I know that ask for a lot of judicial reforms and justice reforms and I'm with you. Some things need to be addressed and some things need to be dealt with. But if you really want to reform people, you can't make jail so comfortable that they feel completely okay in, in literally a crowded area being recorded from all angles just shooting at people. They feel comfortable enough to do that because they either A, believe they can get away with it, or B, they don't care if they get caught because nothing bad will happen to them. So I say, let's bring back work farms in Kentucky. Let's bring back a prison farm. And let's make sure the sentence includes having to work eight hours a day like the rest of us do. Like the rest of us citizens who refuse to be a bunch of losers who only care about themselves. Citizens who've decided that they have a family and a community to take care of. That's what we need to be putting into them. Because one way or another, you're going to have to work. And for those people who say, oh, this is modern society. People have to work to survive. It's been that way for all of time. You can't get rid of nature. We are in a fallen world. Therefore, we as human, the human condition means you have to work to live. If you don't work, you don't live. It was this way before we were modernized. And it'll be this way long after because you have to learn to provide for yourself. And when you're not toiling to provide for yourself, when you're not toiling to provide for your family, it gives you a complete disregard for others. And these problems will continue. Crime will increase. Shootings will increase. The lack of care and respect for others will increase. And until we start to see a change around in our values, it will never be fixed. And it's extremely frustrating to me that we have to start off the year with a shooting. Extremely frustrating. And it's not just a shooting. Right. If, if, you know, bear with me here, but you know, somebody in a uh, domestic dispute shoots her husband, shoots her wife, something like that. That is an awful, horrible crime, but it's not the same on a societal level as somebody with so much disregard for citizens that they're just going to shoot their gun off in the middle of a crowded area. And people want to blame guns. Guns ain't going to fix that. That's a mentality problem. That's a disregard for others problem. They'd be just as soon to run over people with their car if they felt like it. They don't care. It's time we either start making them care or get them out of our society. But that's not the only rant I have for you today. Now, there's something else that's happened that, that Bashir's a part of. We'll be talking about that after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooperwriter Show. And you're back with The Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Yesterday, I had mentioned that I would be talking about gambling today. I mentioned it because, well, <laughs> I wanted you to tune in to, to kind of hear about this. So I don't often talk about gambling a whole, whole lot um, outside of when we see uh, basically a hypocriticalness around the issue. And there's a reason why is that I, I have heard all the arguments for why we shouldn't have gambling, why we should, you know, people who say we, we shouldn't have gambling. Of course, the argument back there is that, you know, who are you to tell people what they do with their money? But on the other side of things, the, the, the freedom people who say, hey, we should have gambling. It's people's money. Let them spend it how they would. The response would be, well, if we lived in a perfect libertarian society, that may be the case. But in our current society uh, with people on welfare and food stamps and everything else, that when you lose money betting, it does affect the rest of us because we have to end up paying the piper for you. 
So that, that can be a part of the conversation. Obviously you can say, well, betting brings in more crime sometimes and issues. And so therefore we have to uh, address that, that affects everybody. So I can, I hear you on all those points, but the reason why I don't really debate about the issue about, about betting too much, gambling too much is because uh, there's certain issues that I just, while I have opinions on them that are sometimes very nuanced, I don't feel so strongly that I feel like going through the mental work of having a big debate about it, of having a big debate about it. But this isn't per se about gambling itself. This is about Andy Bashir. And this is about Andy Bashir's supposed uh, uh, viewpoints on his weird uh, kind of love everyone kind of viewpoints that he has and how that manifests itself into uh, some of these other issues. I want to show you all uh, some tweets here. I want to show you all a recent tweet to kind of show what, what I mean about this uh, hypocriticalness here. Um, Oh, not that one. <laughs> Here you go. This was on December 29th, not that long ago. He says, Andy Bashir says, my faith teaches me to live by the golden rule and that everyone is our brother and sister, no exceptions. If we're going to embrace our future as an economic and moral leader, we must reject hate in all forms and make sure we're building a better Kentucky for all our people. First, I'm going to vent for a second. I'm in a venty mood. Those of you who listened to the first segment heard me going off, but going back to this Judeo-Christian values here, this complete and utter warping of the Christian ideology and golden rule is absolutely 100% ridiculous. Because first off, love thy neighbor can mean a lot of different things to different people. For an example, to Amy Bashir, love thy neighbor means allowing parents to chemically castrate their children. But to me, I wouldn't call that loving my neighbor. You know, to, to Democrats and to liberals, Loving thy neighbor may mean allowing uh, a, a child, a 16-year-old girl, to chop her breasts off because she thinks she's the different gender. And to me, that's the opposite of love. That's hate. That's allowing somebody to languish with a mental illness, and instead of treating it, you disfigure them. I think that's hate. So, so putting aside the subjectality of it, we all know the Democrats, anytime the Democrats do something and you call them out for it, they say, why are you spreading hate? So we should just be spreading love and kindness. Oh, we should just love everybody. That's all we should do. And then they, and then they bring Jesus into it and say, well, Jesus went amongst the, the, the whores and the prostitutes and this and that. And he did, but he didn't sit there and allow them to continue sinning and call that love. When I'm looking for an example of love, I'm looking at Jesus. What did Jesus do? He went amongst the prostitutes. He went amongst the sinners, and he told them, there's a better way, and I am your salvation, but there's a better way. Sin no more. That's what he said. Sin no more. Jesus wouldn't go amongst a bunch of transgender people and say, oh, well, I love you. Go ahead and chop everything off you want. No, he'd go amongst them and say, y'all, this is wrong. This isn't the way to live your life. You're rejecting God. Please, there's forgiveness for you, but sin no more. That's what he would have said. And how do I know that? Because I read the Bible. Something Andy Bashir apparently doesn't, because if he did, he would not be shilling out this weird version of liberalized Christianity. But I, I find it funny, though, that he wants, he says, we need to brace our future as a moral leader, as a moral leader. 
which is really odd and flies in the face of some of his tweets going back just even back on February 4th, 2019. He says, millions of Americans bet on Super Bowl yesterday. More states are legalizing sports gambling and we shouldn't fall behind. I sent a letter to uh, I sent a letter urging the legislature to pass expanded gambling. It's time for new solutions for a new generation of leaders. We also had this year back in 2019. Thanks, Romans Racing, for the great tour of Churchill Downs this morning. Kentucky has so much to offer, and my tourism plus hospitality job plan will expand gaming and boost our small businesses. And here he is. Oop, not that one. Here he is, uh, uh, can literally campaigning on. He, he campaigned on the fact that they offered, uh, quote unquote, expanded gambling and gaming. He campaigned on it. It was a big campaign point. Maybe here he would say, I expanded gambling. I expand these things. And one of his big claims about this. So first off, being the moral leader, he says, we want to be the moral leader. And no matter how, which way you cut it, you can be okay with gambling, right? But you can't say that it's the most necessarily moral thing to do. Maybe you don't think it's the state and government's job to legislate morality which may be the case. I, I think we can sit down and have a debate about what kind of morality are you talking about? Because obviously it's morals that tell you not to murder somebody. And we're not saying the government shouldn't uh, moderate that. So it's just about where you draw that line, where are you crossing over? And many people, including myself would say that, well, the minute you start hurting people is when we need to start worrying about the morality, but when it just involves you, so be it. And that's where obviously gambling becomes quite the argument because if it was truly that it doesn't affect anybody else, if you go and gamble or what have you, well, then it wouldn't affect anybody else. So anybody, she wants to be the moral leader, but he's out here campaigning on immoral things, or at least could be immoral things, depending on your viewpoint, gambling. But outside of that, outside of all that, okay. Even if you're somebody who's 100% for gambling and you're 100% for it exactly how it passed, because that's the other issue that I have, is that right now what we quote unquote did as a state to put in place sports betting is we expanded out the horse parks monopoly on gambling in the state. As long as you're one of the chosen few, you're allowed to profit off gambling, but otherwise nobody else can. I can't have hamster tracks around a race course over here at my office and have people come down and throw money on it. Unless, of course, I'm running that through a horse track. I'm not allowed to do it. I have to give my vig to the legalized mafia that is the horse tracks in Kentucky. And that includes those app gaming. When you do DraftKings and you do these other apps, or, or online gambling, it has to be run through when these horse parks. It has to be. That's the law. So if you first, it created a monopoly, so that'd be the first issue. But the second thing is, is I don't think anybody, no matter your viewpoint, if you're, if you're extremely libertarian, allowing people to gamble shouldn't be a reason shouldn't be like a big campaign point. If even if you're the most extreme, uh, uh, complete freedom, destroy all the government anarchy person, you wouldn't sit here and say, Oh, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Ga gambling. Yeah. That's a reason I want to vote for somebody who's running on the aspect that they created a system that quote unquote, basically provides no value to people outside of it. It, it can, I guess it can make games more interesting to watch because you got money on the line, but basically we're going to create a, a system that, that is just taking money from people 
Yeah, sometimes you win. I get it. I hear you. Don't send me your arguments on it. Well, you can send them to me if you want to. It's info at theandrewshow.com. But, you know, I I don't feel strongly enough about gambling itself to really argue with me on. I, I'm, I'm not going to probably respond to you because I just don't feel strongly enough about it. But my point is, though, is I do feel strongly about campaigning on it because you're campaigning on people gambling. You're campaigning on, too, the government making more money. That's also what you're campaigning on. And when we look at how this is laid out, we see Andy Bashir claiming, and this, and this is why he says that gambling in the state is a good thing. You would say, is it a bad thing? Isn't it a bad thing? Maybe it shouldn't be like the number one reason we vote for somebody that, um, you know, people are gambling money and losing. I mean, it's been almost a billion dollars. It's, it was like a billion dollars last year. It wasn't even full year. It looks like it'll be right around about $2 billion a year. Money being gambled here in Kentucky. That's a lot of money. $2 billion. And so you'd sit there and say, well, maybe, maybe it's not the best thing. Why, why, why would we vote for somebody on that? And Bashir's claim has always been, and, and you heard it back then in 2019, is that this that passing this law would bring, bring revenues that we're giving to other states. He'd commonly say, oh, states around us are eating our lunch on this issue. That's what he would say, because they're able to grab our dollars out of our state. In fact, he said it here. He said, before we legalized, this was from LEX 18 just in December. Okay, Andy Bashir here. Before we legalized sports betting, this money was going to other states or the betting was being done illegally. Now, thanks to our efforts, these dollars are staying right here in Kentucky. So Bashir's claim, oops, hit the mic there. Bashir's claim is that before he passed, he, he didn't pass it, the legislature did, but before they passed sports gaming, that everybody who's is gambling this $2 billion a year here in Kentucky, they're just doing it elsewhere or doing it illegally. But we had a recent story coming out uh, that flies in the face that shows just how incorrect that is. And how generally speaking, we shouldn't be parading and celebrating a politician. If you want to say, hey, you know, it's a freedom thing, let them gamble. And if you're going to pass a law that says anybody can gamble, any business can gamble, regardless of who you are, you're allowed to make a profit off hosting gambling, then so be it. But instead, if you're going to sit here and say, I'm going to celebrate somebody for passing gaming, for passing this. Well, it's certainly, I mean, you certainly ask a question. And the question has got to be. Is this actually a net positive for our society or not? We'll be answering that question after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Kubrider Show. And you are back with The Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Before the break, we were talking about gambling. I know everybody's favorite subject. And as I said, stated, and, and I can't say this clear enough, uh, it's not that I have particularly strong feelings on gambling. Uh, obviously, a big turnoff for me, and this was a reason why Bashir says you should vote for him, is that this gives more money to the government. So people go out there, they don't necessarily get a whole lot in value in return. As I said, I understand it can make games more interesting to watch, but they don't get necessarily a whole lot of value in return. But the big selling point behind this is, well, look at all this money it'll make the government. And Bashir's claim was that people were, were gambling illegally and out of state. But we see this recent story from Northern Kentucky, uh, was it Tribune? 
Um, but f- recent report, though, stating that calls to the help with uh, gambling addiction hotlines have more than tripled this past year. Now, keep in mind, gambling was only in place for half the year, and it's tripled. So I would expect then what we can see is that will increase six times. So Bashir's claim that, oh, these were all just people. I'm a moral leader, and I'm encouraging moral behaviors and you know, people are going to gamble. They're going to gamble out of state or illegally. That's all they're going to do. And by us passing this law, well, we're just going to bring those revenues in state. Um, and this won't be a net negative on society at all. That has to be his claim because that's his standard. Now, if his standard was, I'm just about freedom of all sorts and forms, and he didn't do lockdown measures, and he, he, he literally was just like, anytime government is saying you can't do anything, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, it's wrong. And if that was his standard, and even then, you would say, you can't, you can't draw a bunch of weird connecting thread strings to figure out how my decision hurts somebody. If that was his actual standard, I'd say, well, that's his standard. That wasn't it. His his standard is, is that the government should bring morality. You just heard it in his tweet that I shared from earlier. He believes that's government's job. He thinks government needs to spread love in everyone. And his way of loving everyone is to say, let's, let's let this gaming go on, and then I'm going to run on it as a campaign platform piece. And, and I'm going to celebrate it. And then he says, well, this really greatly increased hospitality and jobs as well. We'll return to that. But in this article, it also points out, so these calls into, get this, so these calls into this uh, uh, gambling hotline has increased threefold. We can expect even greater increase. Our entire help with gambling hotline whatever that is supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be giving money to this. They're supposed to be getting a lot of tax, not a lot, but tax revenues from the gambling tax revenues into this in order to help offset the societal damage done by gambling. Cause they already know it's so damaging that you have to have an offset for it. You got to have a, a sin tax for it to then fund all the programs and enforcement that goes around legislating and controlling that sin. But quote unquote, sin tax. I don't think gambling is necessarily a sin, but love of money is. But anyways, but they have seen this increase in calls. They say, look, we only have seven counselors, seven counselors. To put that in perspective for you, with the amount that's going gambling on right now, they're only able to afford one counselor, supposedly, for every 142 million in gambling per customer. And they say the reason why they're so underfunded right now is because they don't actually get access to the funds until starting of the 1st of January. Then they'll be able to better address some of this because they'll start getting in their money from the gaming institution. Now, of course, you know, the racetracks have been getting in their dollar dollar bills well before this. But apparently the group to help those who become addicted to it won't be getting their funding till six months afterwards. You know, after the horse tracks have already came in and uh, uh, addicted as many people as they can to it through their constant advertising. Those of you that listen to this podcast on podcasting platforms, you might've even heard gambling ads in the middle of my podcast. They are spending 
millions of dollars on advertising. But meanwhile, the state, all these tax revenues are pulling in. Not a dime of it has gone over to help the gambling people so far. It's almost like they hate you. It's almost like they want you to be addicted because they want to continue to line the pockets, isn't it? And that's the problem I have. It's not the actual gambling itself. It is the fact that they locked down this monopoly to then wrap in more dollar dollar bills to the horse track mafia and to the state to then turn around and continue to fund the fact that they hate you. If they liked you, they would have made sure that the gambling help hotlines got funding right away. But instead, there's a whole six months where the gambling help hotline has the same funding basically as they did before sports betting was legalized, having to deal with three times, well, three times the amount of calls overall over the prior year. That was only half the year. So essentially a six times higher caseload than what they normally get. You're asking for disaster. About a billion dollars has been gambled that year. That means 142 million in gambling per counselor. It's absolutely. I, I just, I, I don't see how this is becoming the moral leader that Bashir proclaims. I guess to him, the morality once again is chopping things off minors. But then also he claims, well, this brings in tax revenues that creates hospitality jobs. It's creating jobs in Kentucky. It is not. It is moving more of our funds out of state. Let me tell you why. So since gambling has passed for the last six months, according to the governor from this LEX 18 article, he says 27 million has been bet in person compared to 629 million bet on the apps. Now, if all the betting was done in person, yeah, you'd see a mass amount of hospitality jobs. People would be sitting there gambling at, co at, the, at the counters and things. You'd have massive amounts of, of servers and, and, and food staff and hospitality staff and hotel staff and all these things for these gambling lounges at the horse tracks for sports betting. That maybe would see an increase in jobs. You could argue that. But $629 million is being bet on apps. DraftKings, is, is, they're centered out of... Boston, Massachusetts. So the profits, a lion's share of the profits being made off that billion dollars in gambling, that's not benefiting Kentucky's jobs. That's benefiting jobs out in Boston. The only people who are getting more money in is the government, is the fat cats at the horse tracks, and then companies centered out of other states. They could have put it in the law that if you're going to do online gaming here in Kentucky, you have to have an office and everybody, all of your customer service staff and programming staff that deals with Kentucky has to work in Kentucky. They could have done that, but they didn't. They didn't do it. Instead, that $629 million, that's revenues to another state, not to Kentucky. So even their claims, their reasons why you should celebrate them for passing this gambling, right? If you want to celebrate them for saying, oh, well, it's freedom. I would, once again, I would challenge you. How is it freedom to allow the, the horse track mafia to have the monopoly on it? But more importantly, how is it freedom when we as citizens too have to pay for it? Once again, I can argue all sides of this. But if that's the reason why you want to vote for somebody because you think to you that that's free, okay, that's fine. 
But if you say that it's good for Kentucky, though, I can tell you you're a fool. It's not good for Kentucky at all. They're losing their money to out-of-state companies, which is chunks of it ending up in certain people's pockets here in Kentucky. It's not creating jobs. It's not creating opportunities for people. It's taking them away from them, if anything. And we're not even funding the addiction hotline the same way that we should be. I, I just, I'm just pointing out, it's absolutely ridiculous. It just goes to show what a hypocrite, an awful person Bashir really is. Is there, is there a, a quote unquote moral, but is there like a way to do this where you wouldn't be just an awful person? Sure. There's a way to do sports betting without you being an awful person. I said what it is. Don't have a monopoly and ensure that you're gambling perhaps in person to at least create jobs in Kentucky. So you can say this may be at least a neutral result in Kentucky and it helps out with freedoms. But the way Bashir did it, there's no way that's moral. The way the legislature did it, there's no way that's moral. But Bashir says vote for him over it. Well, that's what we got time for in this segment. Bear with us after this break. You'll be back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. We'll see you here shortly. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter. So I spent uh, the first part ranting about... Um, just the downfall of our society. Spent the next two segments ranting about Bashir uh, hypocriticalness. Maybe said some things that people may disagree with on, of course, gambling, things like that. But, you know, you share your opinions with me. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. But keep in mind, as I've said many a times, I don't have super necessarily strong opinions on gambling. I just, uh, anytime we start talking about the government bringing in more money off of people's misfortunes, uh, I start to get uncomfortable, but now it's time to turn to the Kentucky GOP. Uh, so I recently, I think, what is it today? Yesterday, yesterday, I got this email from the Kentucky GOP because of course it was starting off uh, the new session. It said, this is from the Republican party of Kentucky. It says, today's the day, Andrew. The Kentucky General Assembly, including 111 Republican state legislators, convenes in Frankfurt today for the start of our 2024 legislative session. This is our chance to come together as a party to work towards a brighter future for Kentucky, starting with holding Annie Bashir accountable, lowering taxes on Kentuckians, passing a responsible budget, and protecting our shared values. This is where the rubber meets the road, Andrew. I hope you'll join us in supporting our state legislators that enter the legislative arena, the future of the Commonwealth depends on it. Then of course they ask me for more money. They ask me for money. They then ask you to donate because of course they do. And I want to zero in on these claims here that we're going to be dealing with holding Andy Bashir accountable. I don't even know what that means anymore. I mean, some of you may remember that I and, and a few others joined together to call for the impeachment of Andy Bashir filed an official impeachment petition with the state house that they opened up an investigative committee on to investigate Bashir. So I provided along with a few others, the opportunity for the general assembly in 2021 to impeach Bashir. Once again, wearing my impeach Bashir hoodie today. And what did they do? They didn't do it right. They did a faux investigation and said, look, did Andy Bashir violate the constitution? Yeah, but we don't think he did so knowingly. So Andy Bashir banned you from going to church violating your constitutional right to freedom of religion. The first one, it's, it's the first one. It's in that first, first amendment there in the constitution. 
Keep in mind, Bashir is an attorney, right? He went to law school, practicing attorney, was our attorney general. And the legislature, this Republican legislature, wants you to believe that Andy Bashir did not knowingly violate the Constitution when he banned you from going to church. Then they have the gall to send me an email saying this is their chance to hold Andy Bashir accountable. You had your chance and you blew it. You could, I, I call me crazy. You can call me extreme. You can call me a far right winger for saying that when somebody comes in and tries to arrest people for going to church, to practicing their Christian religion, that they should uh, maybe not be allowed to hold office anymore. They shouldn't be allowed in government anymore. Call me crazy for saying that. But that is a belief I have that apparently the GOP here in Kentucky doesn't have. But they will try to get you to give them money claiming it. Here's the other thing, lowering taxes on Kentuckians. Now, last I heard, they won't be lowering our income tax because we didn't hit the markers that they set out several years ago. But why didn't we hit the markers? I don't know, because that amazing GOP legislative branch you got up there, full of Republicans, spent too much money. We brought in the revenue marker that they insisted that we have in order to get another half percent lowering. But see... The thing is, they added a writer that said, if you hit the revenue marker and the reduction, the half percent reduction in tax, uh, um, the, the amount you brought in in surplus surpasses the expected amount that the cut would cost us in revenues. So basically, they weren't going to uh, uh, suddenly see a deficit year over year because, of course, it's a Republican GOP. It's a, it's a Republican legislature. You, you think they're going to want less money and spend less money? What are you, a person who's a conservative? What are you doing? You think you think a bunch of Republicans are going to get together and pass a law that, or, or pass a budget where they spend less money? What a fool, right? We're just big dummies for thinking that Republicans who run on a platform of smaller government and less spending might actually do it. But anyways, they say lowering taxes on Kentuckians. So you already blew it. So unless you're going to pass that law anyways and say, you know what, we screwed up. We spent too much. We're going to spend less this time. We're going to buckle down them belts and we're going to pass lowering your taxes. They're not going to get it done. And I hardly believe they're going to get it done again anytime soon unless inflation just continues to massively skyrocket. And so they end up hitting their markers anyways, but they still got to spend less too. So that kind of offsets. I don't think inflation will necessarily get it done. So unless we see a budget reduction this year, year over year, I wouldn't hold my breath, but maybe we do. They're not going to be lowering taxes. So first they got to lower their budget in order to be allowed to lower taxes. And then that moves into another thing, passing a responsible budget. Those of you who listen to the show, they listen to Festive this week. I went over 75 million-ish in spending. That was just in contracts. That was just in the Kentucky Council on the Arts, surface level stuff. That was just in salaries on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion across the state. And I went over ways and I said, look, if, if the legislature really wants to say something about this, if the Kentucky legislature actually wants to stop this, then they'd cut budgets by the amount that they misspent. But I don't think they're going to do that. Nope. I think the budget's just going to go up. If I had to put money on it, I think the budget's going up again this year. And I would ask you, how's that a responsible budget? How is that? Then finally, protecting our shared values. What are those shared values? Because I thought that when Republicans come together on a platform, 
that our shared values are what's demonstrated in the platform, uh, that life is sacred and being a pro-life stance, but yet this same Republican legislature and many members in leadership are pushing for them to pass a law on exemptions to kill more babies. I thought what brings us together is fiscal responsibility and shrinking the size of government. Now, shrinking the size of government means you would have to be shrinking the budget. Those two go hand in hand. You can't have a smaller government that spends more. That doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. It has to spend less. And so, hey, why aren't you spending less? <laughs> if, I mean, if our shared value is a smaller government, spend less. And what else is our shared values, huh? What else are they? Taking a stand against exposing our children to out-of-control materials? You can pass a bill to ban children from going to drag shows last session. Came out of the Senate, couldn't pass it in the House. Tried it on an amendment, couldn't get it done. Leadership stood against it in the House. But what, what else are our shared values here? What makes a conservative? So often we hear people say, oh, I'm a strong Republican. I'm a strong conservative. But I ask you to start challenging these people. What does that mean to you? How does that demonstrate itself in policy? Are you going to go after this DEI out of control stuff? Probably not, considering the same legislature, basically all the same people, passed a bill to create the Statutory Committee on Race and Access to Equal Opportunity. Does that sound like people who are going to steer diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, those far-left crazies in the eye and say no? Or do they seem like the people who's going to fall on their knees, begging they show them mercy and saying, well, we promise we're really not racist, no matter how many times they say it? I don't think so. I don't think that's our shared values. I don't know much else what we have in common sometimes. It appears the, the, the values they have is serving that of those who butter their biscuit, those who give them the cash. We're talking about the, the Kentucky Hospital Association, the Chamber of Commerce, also known as the Chamber of Communism, those big dollar players, the universities. That's their values. What do they want? That is what we see for the massive amount of values of our state legislature. But they're going to gaslight you, send these things, and literally, I, it's four points in an email from the Kentucky GOP, and I can literally go through each one of them and say, uh, no, uh, no, uh, no, uh, no. I mean, it, they can't even look in a mirror. In fact, some of them probably are listening to this show, and they're like, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then they wonder, how can we all come together? Well, we come together by having shared values. We do. We come together by saying we're all pulling in the same direction for the same thing, but yet nobody can conceptualize what that thing is and then what are those plans that then align with those things. They'll give you platitudes on issues. Oh, yeah, we should spend less money or, oh, yeah, we should do that. But they won't actually give you a plan. And they do that on purpose. If you want us to come together, illustrate what our shared values are, which apparently you said, these are our shared values. And they look okay. I, I generally agree with you. Holding anybody accountable, lowering taxes on Kentuckians, passing a responsible budget to me means a smaller budget. I agree with you on those things. But what's your plan? Stop giving me your platitudes. Well, y'all, that's what we got time for today on the Andrew Cooper Show. Been a wild ride today. A lot of ranting, a lot of raving. We'll see you back here tomorrow.